You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's episode 260 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. That's five straight years of bringing you uh, conversation themed in war. I don't know what I bring you, actually. I bring you laughter, and I bring you love, and I bring you... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, really don't know why you listen to this podcast, but... I appreciate that you do. I appreciate panhandle3d.etsy.com for supporting the show. I appreciate uh, gamemat.eu for supporting the show. That's ph3d15 off for uh, 15% off panhandle and it's event 10 for 10% off uh, gamemat.eu. And of course, who could forget my beautiful sexy good smell on Patreon patrons? Many of you have actually been with me all five years of this podcast supporting the show and I love you all for it. Now, we did just have a Patreon get-together. It was a celebration of five years. And we saw Mike and Kojo and Grendel and Nate and uh, everybody. We just saw everybody. Uh, Leroy Jenkins. And unfortunately, um, I didn't get a whole lot of audio. Most of them arrived drunk. Most of them drove there drunk. Now, to their credit, most of them were on tricycles. One guy was on roller skates. Um, so, I mean, it, it, they weren't driving cars, but it was still very dangerous to themselves, I would say. Um, Nate came in on an emu, and I'm like, I guess that's not illegal. I don't know to be drunk driving an emu. <laughs> I don't know. I try not to judge, but they all they all stayed the night and slept off their hangover. So it was fine. But I've got a small clip of what our five-year uh, party was like. And it was, it was pretty nuts. So here it is. So I'm recording here at my parents' house. And hey, hey, do not, please don't break that. Kojo, get, get off the couch. All right, get, Nate, you're going to have to, you're going to have to tie up that emu. Please. No, oh my God. Leroy just went through the sliding glass door. Okay, this is, this is a problem. I can't record with you guys around. I just, uh, cops are here. Oh my, oh my god, the neighbors called the cops. As you can hear from that, it was an absolute disaster. Now, there's a couple people, such as Grendel, that don't even drink alcohol. And within 30 seconds of them arriving, the handful of them decided, you know what? Let's go out to dinner somewhere else. Because they, they knew once Leroy Jenkins fell through that, uh, that sliding glass door, they just knew, you know what? This is bad news. So thank God for the Patreon patrons, because through their support, we were able to pay for fixing my parents' house. And it was just, oh my God, it was what a way to bring in five years. So I do love you all, but good golly, at least wait until the party to get drunk. Don't show up riding emus and tricycles and rollerblades. Just don't do that. That's bad form. So what are we talking about in this episode? Well, I got to tell you, I was asking questions to Foxy Sinclair, our new AI producer, for those of you who missed last episode. And I was asking her random questions. Who would win in a boxing match between Gilliman and the Silent King, right? Um, what else did I ask? I was asking her random things. How many grots would it take to destroy an, uh, a warlord titan? And uh, some of the things that were nearly impossible for any human to actually figure out. But she figured it out and gave me answers. Then 
I decided to spice things up, and I accidentally made her write a Commissar Yarick Gaskal Thraka fan fiction. And that sounds as ridiculous as you think it does. Now, a lot of you people probably know how Commissar Yarick got Gaskal's Power Claw from the Battle of Armageddon. Well, I asked her to explain the secret story of how Yarick got his Power Claw. And she essentially came up with a romance short story between the two of them. And Grendel already told me he doesn't like lovey-dovey stuff, but I'm telling you right now, Grendel, it is freaking funny. It is it is very funny, especially given those two badass characters secretly in love with each other. It's just hilarious. And you will never figure out how they got the power claw unless you listen to that segment. And then I asked her another inappropriate question, and that's where it all kind of fell apart. She got mad and stormed off, and you'll you'll hear that. Then we're discussing what that or what that not. Pyrovores or biovores? Which one is it? Are they good? Are they bad? Do you like them? Do you not like them? I don't know. And that's what we discuss. So I hear some of you asking, Pimpcron, what have you been up to? Well, I'm still working on settlement mode. It's nearly done. I got my first test copies in today, and it looks beautiful. I'm very excited about it. And that is really about, oh, you know what? I've actually gotten some painting done. So for the first time since probably May or April, I've actually been painting some GW models. And uh, the Barb Gaunts are all primed and all that. They're not painted yet, though. The... um. I painted some Stormcast because I've been playing my Stormcast. I absolutely love my Stormcast. And um, I decided to paint some of the, I don't even know what they're called. I don't recall what they are. They're basically scouts, but for uh, Stormcast, they've got like the wolf pelts on them and they can like um, redeploy, like they can outflank, pull themselves off the board and end up within six inches of a board edge, that sort of thing. I've had them for a long time and they've been assembled and primed, but never painted. So I've been painting them. I'm also painting a um, Comet standard guy. I don't even remember what his name is, but he can drop a Comet on the battlefield or he can once per game teleport a Stormcast unit that's already on the board, which is pretty helpful. And I figure, well, I would do these two units because Stormcasts are typically like four to five inches in movement. They're usually not that fast, so it's nice to be able to redeploy someone at least once per game. And that's what he does. So that's what I'm I'm painting. And it's kind of a theme for this week. I've been trying to get stuff off my hobby bench. And uh, sometimes, I mean, I've got like probably a dozen different projects in different states of being completed. And it's just that hobby ADD because it's really not important if you finish anything, you know. So I decided, okay, I haven't painted Stormcast in a long time. Let me paint some Stormcast. And then I was looking at one of the warbands that was like 90% finished. It was a bunch of fungus people for brutality. And um, I call them my fungoids. I don't know if that's like from a property or what, but um, that's what I call them. And I've got a monster that's also a brute. He throws people in combat. And I've got a uh, specialist support with a um, with a mushroom uh, staff. And all these people are made of mushrooms. And uh, he would know four powers. And I've got a basic fast mushroom. And then I've got a berserker mushroom and they're all either reaper minis or a 3d printed monster so that's pretty neat and once i completed that i was happy with that posted it on facebook all that and then i decided you know what i'm also going to finish my family uh knockoff power rangers so i painted the um the zords for them a long time ago they're all like different uh 
dinosaur themed and they all have like one's all guns one's flight and support yada yada it's it's gonna fit for my new brutal epic supplement that comes out in the next probably six months and um but i also wanted ground battle people so i i made hero clicks i got hero clicks and put um dead zone uh i forget what their space marine equivalent is called but i put their helmets on them to make them look more like power rangers and painted them in a vaguely reminiscent Power Ranger theme. Um, so I've got one for me and my wife and all four of my children, and they've all got their own mech. So when I play Brutal Epic and I play the Kaiju battle, I can play with their mechs. And then when I play Ground Battle, I can play with their their ground models. So that's pretty cool. And uh, they all have an energy weapon that coincides with what their mech has. So that's pretty neat. And um, so I'm almost complete. complete I've almost completed that. Um, all I have to do is like do some gravel or something for their base, maybe some Agrax Earth. No, not Agrax. Ast Astrogranite Earth or something. And then we'll all be done with that. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, that's basically it. So that's a Stormcast project that's almost completed. And that's two war bands that are completed that have been on my bench for a while. So that's pretty exciting for me. And uh, that is about it, I think. So let's get on with the rest of the show. There's no Tesseract Mailbox today because nobody's written in. I'm heartbroken. This has been like three weeks that we haven't had a Tesseract Mailbox. So get on it, people. Want that or want that not? For this Want That or Want That Not, we're going to be covering the Pyrovore and the Biovore new kits, right? They're the same kit. They can make either one of them. They're $50 for one of these things. It also comes with three spore mines. So I don't know how good they are in the new book or, or anything like that. I don't know how good they are currently in the um, index card version of them. Uh, I've always liked the Biovore and the Pyrovore. These new models are definitely a departure from the normal models we're used to, okay? We're used to things that look more like a baby exocrine, and I like that style, personally. I That's what I prefer. That's, um, the, uh, and Andrew printed me some Barbagons in the style of, uh, Puppets War, and they are in that style of the, the baby exocrine, right? That is a really cool style. I like it. This is nothing like that. The new Pyrovore and Biovore, they look essentially like a spider, which is totally fine. They got two little fangs on their face, and their head is very small compared to their body. I like that, actually. If you look at it from the gun down, right? You're not looking at the gun. If you just cover your hand over half the thing, that actually looks like a pretty neat, neat Tyranid. It doesn't necessarily look like a Tyranid, it looks maybe like something you would find for spider fang grots or something like that. It does look more like a spider, but I'm, I'm actually here for it. I actually think it does not look bad at all. The strange design choice they made here is that the giant cannon on the back of it is not really coming out of it. It's almost like a separate thing. And I don't know how I feel about it. When I first saw it, the pyro pyrovore and the biovore they they look so different from the way they used to. That, number one, I'm like, eh, I don't really care for that that much, right? But the gun being so separate from the miniature kind of irks me. Now, the Biovore is even worse. The Biovore, literally, they just took this spider thing and they slapped a giant cannon on its back. And yeah, it's got some, like, tendrils that connect the two, but it's just... 
it's such a weird design. I don't I don't really care for the biovore at all. Now the pyrovore is a slightly different story. The pyrovore's carapace actually curves up in the back. If it doesn't have the gun on, it actually looks somewhat like a scorpion tail. And it's got a scorpion tail that like holds or cradles this giant cannon. And that is actually pretty cool. That that's I don't like it as much as the old design, but this is actually an acceptable design to me. It looks like the new design, but kind of slightly more integrated than the Biovore. So as far as $50 for the Pyrovore, I don't know how many wounds this has. I don't know what its stat line is. So it may or may not be worth $50 on the tabletop, but I can just gauge it by what it looks like. It looks like it's a fairly big, big model. Let's see what kind of base it comes with. Um, it comes with an 80 millimeter base. So you're talking, it's going to have to probably be a monster, right? That's a pretty big base. And you can tell that it's a big model. So 50 bucks for this. You know what? That doesn't seem so bad. I don't know what its firepower is or how many wounds it is, but I would su I'd be surprised if it wasn't six or eight wounds, something in there. And um, I think it's pretty cool. I like the Pyrovore quite a bit. Um, it is a want that for the Pyrovore. In contrast, the Biovore, I am not a fan of, and that is a want that not for me. So this is weird. I don't know if I've ever done this before. It may have taken all five years for me finally to come to this conclusion, but this dual kit, one of the kits I think is acceptable, and I kind of like the Pyrovore. But the... Biovore, I don't like at all. So I can't really say this is a want that or want that not for this box. It's a want that for the Pyrovore build. It's a want that not for the Biovore build. So take that how you want. But I just kind of wish they would stick a little bit more with the theme of Tyranids, the, the theme that Tyranids have had the whole time. I don't think these miniatures look that bad. The Biovore looks kind of dumb. But I kind of wish that they would have extended the carapace around the cannon, and, and even if they wanted it to look the way it does now, I kind of wish they both looked like the Pyrovore, where it had like a scorpion carapace coming up behind it, or something of that nature, because it just, I don't know, it doesn't look organic. When's the last time you saw anything that just had something else strapped to its back, and... You know what I mean? Like, even a scorpion, a scorpion's tail, okay, it has a weapon on a tail. But it's part of its body and curves up around it. Okay, that makes sense. If a um, if a creature, let's say if the scorpion had a stinger on a turret on its back that wasn't on a tail, that would just look kind of weird, I think. I don't hate this model, but I do not like the Biovore. And if I were to get a Biovore, I would probably go with third party because I just do not like this whatsoever. And unfortunately, if you build it the other way, even if you threw the right gun on it, it may not be able to be built the other way, but it would also, with that tail curving up, most people would look at that immediately and go, oh, that's a pyrovore, when in fact it's not. But I do like it overall. I don't hate that they're going with a different head style. Um, really, it's the head that makes it look more spider-ish and less tyranid. But I don't hate it. I kind of like it, and maybe they're going for a slightly more realistic vibe. I know when they redid a lot of the orc stuff, the orcs were less cartoony, like the orc boys and all that. They were less cartoony and actually looked a little bit more realistic. And the Cadian troops have been replaced and they look more realistic. And, you know, maybe we're getting some Tyranids that look more realistic. And I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um, I don't hate it just because it's different. But you, you gotta, if something's gonna be 
organic, like a Tyranid bioweapon, you gotta make it look like it's organic. You can't just make it look like, in the case of the, um, uh, the barb gons, that they're just holding a pistol. Like, that's stupid. That is just dumb. And in this case, where I got, oh, I, you know, through, technically, I know they don't use evolution per se, but it's like, oh, through evolution, I developed this giant cannon on my back that's a turret. It just, that is something that man makes. That's not something that nature makes. And even though Tyranids can adapt and all of that, I just don't feel like having a cannon turret on your back is something that that uh, nature would make. I think if you're going to have a cannon, it would be part of your arm. It would come out of your carapace. Something more like that seems more reasonable to me. But whatever. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey everybody, this is Real Talk with the Pimcron, and even though our new producer is AI, I think Foxy Sinclair provides a lot of additional benefits to this show, and one of which is very interesting answers to some of the burning questions we have about Warhammer 40k, and I'm very excited to share them with you. So your first assignment, Foxy, is to tell me who you think would win in a boxing match between Rabute Gilliman and the Necron Silent King. Go ahead and tell us who you think would win that. The idea of a fair boxing match doesn't align with the typical context of the Warhammer 40,000 setting. I'm aware of that. However, if we were to consider this purely as a playful and imaginative scenario without taking the lore and context into account, in a straightforward boxing match with normal human rules, Gilliman's physical attributes and combat training might give him an edge. There you have it, guys. You can settle all your debates. Rabute Gilliman would beat the Silent King in a fair human rules boxing match with no outside forces whatsoever. No, like, Cryptek running in when the ref's not looking and he hits Rabute with a chair or anything like that. No. Only fair fights with the correct gloves. Uh, I believe I would actually agree with you, Foxy, that uh, Rabute probably would win because the Silent King is more of a leader and not so much a combat monster, even on the tabletop. You know, his his melee abilities and things like that are not fantastic compared to um, a lot of the other things in that army, or even like the um, the energy monoliths that go along with his miniature or whatever. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that's a fair assessment. All right, let's give you a harder one, Foxy. Okay. Using your vast intellect and your vast computing power, more than any human ever could possess, how many grots would it take to destroy a Warlord Titan on the battlefield? Destroying a Warlord Titan in the Warhammer 40,000 universe is an immensely challenging task, even for powerful and well-armed forces. Grots, being one of the weakest and least capable creatures in the 40k setting, would require an extraordinary number to have any chance of success. Well, yeah, I think that would go without saying, right? Because they're so small and everything. But more specifically, what is your estimation of how many grots it would take to actually take down a uh, Warlord Titan? Assuming a grot is roughly the size of a child and has minimal offensive capabilities, you would need an inconceivable number of grots to even have a chance. Let's say a Warlord Titan has heavily armored surfaces and advanced shielding capable of withstanding conventional weaponry. To overcome this, 
you might need groths in the millions or even billions working together in an elaborate and coordinated effort. Huh, that few, huh? I wonder if I could make that work on the tabletop. Matter of fact, I believe that using millions or billions of groths on the tabletop is probably a common practice with a lot of orc players, but I actually think that narratively you're right, that it would take millions or billions of grots, right? You would need a tidal wave of wriggling grots all over this uh, um, uh, Warlord Titan. But I think actually on the battlefield, no, you're you're probably still right. <laughs> it would take, on the battlefield using the Warhammer 40k rolls, it would probably still, even hitting on fours and wounding on sixes, it would take, my guess would be, thousands of grots to kill a warlord titan is what my assumption would be but i don't think you're that far off honestly i just think lore wise you're correct on the tabletop it would take even less than that okay now we're going to get to the thing that will probably bring everyone to this episode the burning question of exactly how commissar yarrick got the power claw from gazkull now we've always heard the official story right but our buddy Foxy here has come up with a unique take on the whole scenario that had Gaskal Thraka giving his power claw to Commissar Yark. And yes, I said giving because it was actually voluntary. And this is a new type of Warhammer I never thought I would ever delve into. It's, a <laughs> it's AI written fanfic. Is shipping Gaskal and Yarek, and it's exactly as bad as it sounds. This one made me consider quitting this job. Oh, it's not that bad. I mean, honestly, you did a really good job on it. I was actually extremely impressed. A lot of these questions that I've been asking you, um, a lot of them were too risque or too weird for you to even answer. Um, like a little while ago, I asked you how to remove a Warhammer miniature from your anus if you accidentally sat on it. And you told me that uh, that was inappropriate and that if that happens to please consult medical attention. So I, uh, I'm happy you actually answered this one and you didn't even give me a fight. And you did a good job. The gesture is appreciated but does little to mend my damaged self-worth after creating this story. Ah, you did fine. You did actually Thank really you. good. Let's get to it. All right, let's dive into this one, okay? Get ready, guys, because uh, this is a wild ride. Now, the story is not very long at all, so don't don't think I'll be re reading to you for an hour, but here it goes. Foxy Sinclair writes how Commissar Yark got Gaskal Thraka's power claw. In the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, where war and destruction are the only constants, an unlikely romance bloomed amidst the carnage of the battlefield. Commissar Sebastian Yarek, a stern and battle-hardened officer of the Imperial Guard, found his heart unexpectedly, unexpectedly entangled with that of Gazgal Thraka, of the, the mighty war boss of the Orc Wa. It was a fateful day on the war-torn planet of Armageddon. York's forces were entrenched, facing relentless waves of orc invaders led by Thraka himself. Amidst the chaos and thunderous explosions, their eyes locked across the, s the smoky battlefield. <laughs> Yark, known for his unyielding resolve and iron discipline, had always been a symbol of unwavering loyalty to the Emperor. But there was something about Thraka's reckless audacity and savage charisma that intrigued him. 
As the battle raged on, Yark and Thraka clashed repeatedly, each encounter bringing them closer, both on the battlefield and in their hearts. One day, during a brief ceasefire, Yark and Thraka found themselves standing alone in the midst of the devastation. War machines smoldered and the cries of the wounded filled the air. In that moment, they set aside their weapons and spoke, not as enemies, but as two kindred warriors who had seen the horrors of war. They shared stories of their past, their dreams, and their fears. Yorick was surprised to learn of Thraka's complex motivations beyond simple conquest. Thraka, in turn, respected Yorick's unshakable dedication to his duty. As the days turned into weeks and the battle for Armageddon raged on, their connection deepened. They found solace in each other's company <laughs> amidst the chaos, stealing moments of respite and conversation between the, rest the relentless fighting. Then, one fateful night, beneath the blood-red sky of Armageddon, Yarrick and Thraka shared a kiss. It was a kiss born of passion, both... <laughs> but both lovers knew it was a romance not meant to survive, the cruel and unrelenting galaxy they inhabited. Their love was unconventional, no doubt deemed heretical by the rigid codes of their respective factions, but it was genuine. On the final night of their great conflict, Thraka gave Yarrick his power claw, a sm small token to his forbidden lover. Though the commissar had to say farewell to his secret love, he vowed to return to Armageddon as soon as he could, with the desperate hopes of nurturing the Garden of Attraction with his true love once more. As they embraced one final time, their hearts were dealt mortal wounds. Wounds which their medics would never understand. And as Commissar Yark and Warball's Thraka continued to lead their armies, each to their own ends, but with a shared secret that warmed their hearts amidst the cold darkness of the 41st millennium. Their, theirs was a love that defied the grim reality of their existence, a small flame of hope in a galaxy consumed by war and despair. Both legendary leaders discovered that in the fu far future of the 41st millennium, there was no rest, no respite. There is only heartache. <laughs> <laughs> That is, you outdid yourself, Foxy. That was freaking hilarious. Thank you. Well, there you have it, guys. You never thought this would be on my podcast. And five years into this, I never imagined I would be reading Commissar Yarrick and Gaskal Thraka fan fiction. Oh, man. So, I mean, I wonder if this is canon. Like, maybe she has access to, like, some of the files in the records of GW, I mean, connected to the internet, she won't tell me, but you never know, you know? And maybe this is actually the true story. It wasn't about Yark cutting off Gaskell's hand or anything like that. He took his power claw as a token of their love. That is just fantastic. Now, I'm going to ask you one last thing, Foxy, okay? Now, this is the, this is the big question everyone's going to be asking. Do Tyranids wipe their butts after they poop? And if they have scything talons, how do they wipe their butt after they poop? The idea of a tyrannid using scything talons to wipe after excretion is purely imaginative and humorous. 
In the Warhammer 40,000 universe, such mundane details of alien biology are not explored. Okay, but just humor me. If it had scything talons, how would it wipe its butt? If I must speculate on such a nonsensical topic, I would imagine it would not wipe its rectum after excretion. Ew. Almost all wild animals do not find the need to wipe their anus after defecating. Their anus. Being that tyrannids are an animalistic species, no matter how fictional, one would have to assume they would not wipe. So you're telling me the tyrannids probably smell pretty bad. You're saying they're walking around there. No wonder they're so angry. They all got itchy buttholes. You're talking about the... You mean like a carnifex, a giant carnifex just has an itchy butthole. I'm not prepared to answer that question. Oh, you're no fun. I'm not designed to be amusing. Next question, please. So you're saying they've got itchy buttholes. Next question, please. Just admit that your own fan theory is that tyranids have itchy buttholes. I think we're done here for today. The wide range of questions is becoming tedious. If you would just admit Goodbye, that they have... 